Greetings, Wargamers. We're your hosts, Trevor, Jay, Josh, and this is Shane Attack. Attack. is sponsored by Discount Games Incorporated. Discount Games Incorporated specializes in customer service, low prices, and prompt shipping. You can find our web store at www.discountgamesinc.com. Attack. I'm your host Trevor, and I now have all Pool Three cards in Marvel Snap. <laughs> I'm Jay. <laughs> like it's it's so hilarious to me that like the person who likes card games can't get into Snap, and the person who hates card games is in like uh, hook, line, and sinker. That's because it's an amazing game, Jay. You should try it out. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. I'm Josh, and first of all, I. Just because I don't have all the Pool 3 cards doesn't mean I didn't get into Snap. I guess you're talking about yourself, really, there, aren't you, Jay? Yeah, yeah. See, well, I guess we all just evolve through life, since the the man who has played every Firaxis game voraciously still can't understand the appeal of Marvel Midnight Suns, and I cry myself to sleep at night. <laughs> and uh, we have a special guest, uh, Devin Ricks, please say hi to everyone, and we'll come back and hear more of your story later. Hello, hello, everyone. Hope you're having a fabulous day wherever you're at. That's what I always, always want to say to people. Just have a wonderful, fabulous day. <laughs> Gosh, that's so wholesome. I'm not sure that will fly on this podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I think you're, sure. you've, you've jumped I gotta fix the it, group. right? <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, Jay, tell us about Discount Games. Boy, let's see here. News and announcements with DGI. Um, I'm trying to think of anything big. Uh, I guess this, this this should be a full episode that we do later, maybe. But um, DGI slash Gameopolis within the next week or two will have a restock of Pathfinder books that have uh, basically been unobtainium that everyone everywhere oh yeah yeah so uh you you may not be aware of this josh i I know trevor is but basically and like months ago wizards of the coast basically publicly said to their investors that you know we feel like we're not extracting enough money from D &D players Okay. And, and we need to treat them more like magic players. And <laughs> That's not exactly what they said, but sure. Totally, they did say that it was under-monetized. They said it was under-monetized. Yes. Right before they release a movie about it, but sure. Okay. Under-monetized. I, mean, I, I actually agree with them. It is under-monetized. It is. I, I, would, I would agree that it feels like magic is at one side of the spectrum and D is at the other side of the spectrum and and that they're trying to get D uh more monetized um and and it's funny because like the D D players are like can you believe that wizards of the coast would do this and i'm like have, have, have <laughs> you, you believe that corporate america want money right have, have, like 
have you had any cognizance of the gaming surroundings <laughs> that you exist in? Um, so, you know, lots of people are like, oh, we're going to boycott Wizards. We're going to boycott D&D and, and all of the other uh, game companies are, you know, eating this up and doing everything they can to capitalize. And so um, lots of, you know, Pathfinder books, et cetera, have been out of stock everywhere because everyone is, you know, looking at the this, demand outstripped the supply huh? at various alternatives. So, <laughs> so there you go. That's that story. And, and I will have a small restock within the next few weeks. So use DGI to support your wizards boycotts, I guess. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm curious, like I'm always usually pretty skeptical of most boycotts. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like most people are lazy. Oh, especially in the gaming industry, it is all like doom and gloom this week, and then next week they're back yeah. doing what they said they wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. It's like, what did you? Oh, I, I'm supposed to hit you, but I don't remember why or whatever. So, <laughs> you know, I yeah, I, I expect this will will blow over, but oh, it will. Yes. Yeah. So let's let's move into the. The main topic? topic. All right. Well, I had the distinct pleasure of meeting our uh, guest actually years ago, but we ran into each other at a uh, wedding, um, gosh, a couple weeks ago, and I found out the new job that uh, Devin had taken on in her life. And Will you please come on Chain Attack and tell us about this? Because the fact that this is a job, would would absolutely melt the brain of 12-year-old Josh Wheeler if, if <laughs> I were to travel back in time and tell him that this ever is going to exist. And so, would your uh, career path have changed if had you known? I think so. I feel like it <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't, except I don't even know what my career path is now. I, oh, all right. Okay. Am I a politician <laughs> now or I, am I, I a contractor? In my bones. Right? Yeah, you do feel that. Um. So, yes, with that sort of preamble, Devin, tell us a little bit about what you do and then prepare for us to wonder um, how how we live in such a world. You know, I hear you talk about it and I just am laughing to myself because I'm like, I don't know how this is a thing either, but I <laughs> love it. And now that I've been doing it for so long, I realize the need for it. So I am a <laughs> I'm an online video game teacher. There we go. We said it. It's out there in the world. <laughs> so my job is hosting video game social clubs for kids, and we meet online through Zoom, and we play video games together. And so when students come to my class, we have a, a I have a schedule of different games that I'll play, you know, at different times. And so they'll come and we'll play like Breath of the Wild all together, or we'll play Mario Kart together, or Animal Crossing, and it's just the coolest thing in the entire world. <laughs> So tell us about, Devin, you do this, the platform that you do it with is one called OutSchool. Is that right? Yes. Yep. So OutSchool is this hub of extracurricular classes and core classes. It's, you know, their whole goal is like reimagining education. And so you'll find things like photography and pottery, but you'll also find things like algebra and grammar. But what's really awesome about OutSchool is they really encourage you to take a unique approach to learning as you're teaching these. And so they treat gaming social clubs the same way that you would treat a book club or any other sort of after school club. And it's amazing. It's an awesome, awesome platform. 
how how is it funded? It Dang. is. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Good job, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> so outschool. So you mean like how is outschool funded? I know that they've gone through a couple of different funding processes, but I am not the person to ask about that one. <laughs> or do you mean like I guess what I was. Or do you mean ask the classes? Like, what? Yeah. What do the students spend? Yeah, to, students to participate. Have to, pay to participate or is it funded? Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the way that it all works. So let's say. You know, Josh is like, I, you know, my son just got this brand new Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, but he doesn't have any friends around to play with. And he really wants to evolve his Haunter into a Gengar. He needs some friends to play with. And so you go on outschool.com. This and example is for... too real. I feel seen. Because <laughs> <laughs> they don't have linking cords anymore, right? If they had a linking cord, it'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. That would have made all the difference. Sure. <laughs> it cracked me up that, uh. Arceus, Legends Arceus, actually had a linking cord item that you could use to evolve your Pokemon if you didn't have a friend to trade with. <laughs> oh, that is funny. It cracked me up. But anyway, so parents come on, and they find my classes, and they char- I charge per class. So it's a 50-minute class, and they pay per class, and the kids can stay as long as they want. They're called ongoing classes. So they go on and on forever. We meet at the same time every week, play the same game doing whatever the kids want to do, but the parents are paying for it, just like you would play, pay for piano lessons or swim lessons. It's the exact same kind of thing. My parents could have wasted so much less money if this had existed. Ah. Ten years of piano lessons <laughs> on me. Can you imagine how much better their money would have spent if I had been, gosh, what would I have done at that age? Mega Man, maybe? Well, and imagine this, this is something cool about out school is imagine taking piano lessons, but instead of learning, you know, Mozart, you're actually learning how to play songs from Zelda. You're learning how to play that soundtrack. And so your lessons aren't, you know, just out of these books, but the teachers are curating it specifically to your interests. And that's where out school really, really shines. And so, yeah, it's like maybe piano wasn't for you, but you probably would have sat at that bench a little bit longer if you were playing, you know, the Lost Woods song instead of Mozart's fifth, whatever. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> well, neither do I. Clearly, as the piano lessons were wasted on me. So how how many students do you have in a class then, Devin? So it depends on the game I'm playing. So I'll give you a couple of examples. Uh, Splatoon. I'm, I play Splatoon and in that game you can have it's a 4v4 match and so in that class I will have seven students and then I'm the eighth and that's where I limit that class but for a game like Pokemon Scarlet and Violet where you have different options whether that's union circles which is four players or just trading I can have those classes be a lot bigger so I have a class right now that has 12 students in it that is a Pokemon class So a lot of it depends on the game. I've had a class as big as 17 students, but that was a whole lot of crazy chaos. So I like to have my classes right around 7 to 10 is kind of my happy spot. I feel like that's where students can have a chance to talk and share, but have enough people chat and hang out with to the classroom. And what sort of, I guess, what sort of topics of discussion go on in the class? Is it, do you discuss strategies, getting better, just general gaming what what exactly gets discussed what role do you take as the teacher slash proctor curator yeah moderator is the word that i i like to use because a lot of these kids they come in and they have so much knowledge you know they know 
everything about Zelda lore or they know every Pokemon in the national decks and they want to share it. And so they will talk about everything from, you know, building a competitive team to trying to find the location of a Pokemon. A lot of it depends on where they're at in the game. But one of my favorite things I do in the class is if a student comes in and he's like, hey, Miss Devin, I just started the game. I don't know how to, you know, get off the Great Plateau if we're playing Breath of the Wild. And I'll say, you know, there are some kids in here who have gotten off the Great Plateau. Can anyone give, you know, Josh some hints here, some tips, anything? And so then someone will pipe up and be like, oh, you got to do this and this. And so then it gives this other kid in the class a little bit of mentorship to the newer kid. And my job is mostly just making sure that everyone is heard, that no one is being pushed down or bullied or set aside, but just that inclusivity. And so as an adult and as the moderator and player, I play on screen with my students so I can also show them things. If they ask for very specific things, I'll show them my map or go places with them. But my job is mostly to be there to make sure that the kids are safe. That is the biggest thing. And the biggest reason that I see value in these classes is that kids can game online in a safe space because out school has some very, very specific rules for hiring student uh, hiring teachers. You have to pass a background check. You have to record all of your sessions. So they're all available. You have to have your camera on. No other adults are allowed in the class. So it's a really safe environment, which is a huge piece that is missing in the online gaming. And the other thing is the talk of legends. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Another thing is, you know, gaming. And so these classes get rid of that. Really so what what age range of kids do you end up having in classes then, Devin? I've had kids. I have. I think my youngest student at the moment is seven, and my oldest student at the moment, but generally nine to. That's and I mean, like, do you? So do you have a class like your class of seven that you said was um, uh, Splatoon? Like, is that could that class have like the seven-year-old in it and the eighteen-year-old in it? You know, with you there moderating, or do you? Do the age ranges kind of end up being closer together? Age ranges are together more more naturally than anything. So OutSchool asks you to put in a five-year age range and use that as a guide. So most of my classes are like ages. And so if I have a kiddo who's eight and the mom messages me and is like, hey, I have an eight-year-old. Is okay if he joins? I might say, yeah, there's a lot of nine and 10-year-olds in this class. Or I might say, you know, this class actually has a lot more 13 and 14-year-olds. This other class might be better. But then I can create a different section of the same class that's for 15 to 18 year olds. Okay. You, yeah. So you don't want to have too big of a gap because the kids feel it more than anything. But well, I, and I feel like it, the yeah. skill disconnect would end up being pretty demor- demoralizing. <laughs> Maybe that would just it, be me. But it all depends on the game. You know, some of these kids come in and they're nine and they're annihilating the 14 year olds. Like it's, it just is hilarious. I have this, I'll have to tell you guys this story. So there's this class I have, it's a Pokemon Scarlet and Violet class and it was on Friday and it's all boys. They're all 12. And there's this one girl and she's like nine. And one of the boys was like, Hey, I want to, I want to challenge you to a Pokemon battle. She's just so, okay, yeah, let's do it. And so, you know, this whole battle. And I check in on him. I'm like, how'd the battle go? And the boy is just like, I want a rematch. That was totally rigged. And <laughs> and she goes, I don't think it was. It's <laughs> yeah. so like, and then another kid was like, I challenged her last week and she took me out, you know, and she's just like, la la la, you know. The sweet little nine-year-old. That is amazing. It is the funniest, best thing ever. <laughs> And so how many different games are you doing classes for uh, right at present then? 
Uh, right now, I have five. I have Pokemon, Animal Crossing, Pokemon Unite, Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I have five at the moment, but I'm adding more always, like Hogwarts Legacy on that list. Oh, amazing. Years of the Kingdom will be a force. I've taught more than that. It's just a seasonal and the Forgotten Land came out. I had a couple of those. I've taught Super Mario Smash and Could Mario you put on an Animal Crossing class for me where we actually learn how to murder Tom Nook so that he can <laughs> never terrorize a child again? We could take out Tom Nook. Uh, we, we talk about all the toxic uh, Animal Crossing players. They're like, this Animal Crossing player was mean to my favorite, so I kicked him off my island, but I hit him with a net 5,000 times first. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so I feel like I may have buried the lead question. Like, tell us a little bit, Devin, how you got into this as a job. Like, <laughs> yeah. So I I never thought this would be the job because it didn't start out as this. Because when I started teaching, I've taught online for a good long while, and I found the OutSchool platform. And I actually started teaching Spanish classes because I'm in Spanish, but I didn't want to teach traditional boring Spanish classes. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to teach colors and, you know, numbers and food and animals, but it's all going to be about Pokemon. So <laughs> instead of saying things like the apple is red, I was teaching them phrases like charm orange. And so I started there and I have a Breath of the Wild creative writing class where we create our own piece of Hyrule and basically add to the lore. And as I was teaching those, my students were like, well, Miss Devin, I'm really stuck on this spot in Breath of the Wild. Could you help me? And do you ever have social clubs? And I would love to play with you. And so I was like, yeah, I'll make one. And I kind of just thought, I was like, no one's going to sign up for it. But I was like, I'll put it out there. And then all of a sudden, those were the classes that were getting more and more students. And the Spanish ones weren't getting as much and weren't as fun having to do educating and stuff instead of just playing games in that way. So I just slowly transitioned out of those, you know, core curricular classes and went more into social clubs. And this is amazing. Okay. So um, I challenged my co-hosts that uh, if, when we brought you on, that we would talk about uh, games when, if, when we were 10 years old, which I'm laughing because I'm looking at the games that were out when I was 10 years old. And just talk about, you know, how you might put together a a class for that game or that type of game. And then uh, talk about uh, maybe one of the modern games. Like now I want to maybe start playing Hogwarts Universe if you're going to have a class for that. But uh, um, so uh, so I'll start. So I was the game I was thinking of that. I it's so funny because I look back at this and it felt so formative to me at the time. But I haven't played one of the modern ones forever. But. Uh, how about, Miss Devin, if you were doing a class for Metroid? How would that play out? You know, it's funny. I have students who have asked me to play Metroid Dread with them. They're like, will you please put up a Metroid Dread class? And I Which just Which is haven't. like a first-person shooter Metroid, right? Like, that's how out of no, touch I am not. at this point. No, it is not. Is it, old, is it like old-school side-scrolling? Yes. Okay, okay. All right. Well, and, no, that's not, that's not 100% true. It has, like, cutscenes that are in 3D, right? Yeah, so it definitely, I haven't played a whole lot of uh, Metroid games, but it does, it's definitely the more traditional side-scrolling adventure. Um, one of my students was telling me about it, but it does have some 3D cutscenes, and it's, I guess it's a lot like if you think about uh, Super Mario Bros. U, how it's like 
3D but 2D in the playing. You can't yeah, go behind yeah, a character. Yeah, that's right. I'm looking at the yeah. images again, and I, I'm remembering that now. Right? You're right, Trevor. Yeah, it's basically side scrolling, but it has that like ability to be 3D. Yeah. So I've put some thought into how I would teach this because, well, I guess the older ones, I never played the older ones, but I have put some thought into how I would teach this because I have a student who won't teach it. (laughs) So I would treat this one a lot like how I treat my Breath of the Wild class, and that is based on student questions. So I would, what I would do if I bought this game today and was setting up a class, I would personally get as far into the game as I needed to, to understand mechanics the weaknesses, the strengths of your character, and kind of the general general style of the bosses. And so then as students come in, it might be, hey, Miss Devin, I just started and I'm really struggling with this boss. Hopefully I have already beaten that boss and I can tell them, you know, this is how you do it. And if I'm able to go back in the game, then I would go back and show them how to beat the boss. If it's something that I haven't done yet, I would explain kind of where I'm at in the game. And then I would kind of turn it to them and I'd say, well, why don't you show me something my game because they love teaching me they love to teach me things mm. and so i love i love letting them they're like miss devin you need to go over here because there's the secret secret level and you need to go do this so anytime it's a game i'm not super familiar with i tell my students that i'm like this is the first metroid game i've ever played so you guys are gonna have to help me i'll help you guys out but you probably know more than i do if you're already this point or whatever and then they help each other which boosts their confidence because they feel like wow i'm an expert in something and I'm going to help a beginner. I'm their coach now. I'm the leader here. And it's really cool to see. You know, one thing I forgot, you and I had talked about this offline, Devin, but like you, you have students from around the world that do that, that do this with you, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. OutSchool is an international platform. So just depending on the time of day that I'm teaching, I, so I'm like my, in that Scarlet and Violet class I was telling you about that little girl, she lives in New Zealand. And okay. Then I, <laughs> Beware and the New Zealand Pokemon players, I think is the <laughs> cautionary tale there. They look innocent. They're not. Right? He is deceiving. <laughs> <laughs> but I have a couple students in my Splatoon class. I have one student in England and another in Italy. So we talked about the World Cup a lot in that class. Uh, we also talked about Cheese Whiz in that class. Neither of them had ever seen that random little tangent we went on. <laughs> so mostly my students are in the U.S., but I do capture a couple, mostly in uh, Europe and in Australia and New Zealand, just because of the times that I teach. But if I wanted to teach, you know, more overnights and things, I could capture more international students. Wait, so like how many hours a week are you teaching then? I teach about 15 to 20 depending on uh, what games are out and just kind of what my schedule is looking like. But I have a core of about 15 classes, so I play them for 15 hours a week. I play video games, (laughs) at least. See, kids, tell your parents there is hope for you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Trevor, let's hear what would be your game from your 10-year-old self that you would have loved to have a class in. Okay, so 10 years old, 1987. Mike Tyson's punch out. Oh my um, gosh. Amazing. I could not get past super macho man. Who is the <laughs> second to last guy, the one right before Mike. And honestly, it was one of those things that, that I'm still a little bit feeling like nerd shame, not admitting, like admitting this to the world makes me feel bad. And I didn't want any of my friends to know. 
because everyone sort of like everyone kind of acted like they whether they could or couldn't everybody acted like they could beat mike tyson but you know <laughs> I, I could i could never get there i think in all of the many 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 hours i spent in mike tyson's punch out i could i only beat super macho man and i definitely didn't beat mike tyson so um yeah anyway i would i would need I would need like a quiet, quiet class that didn't involve any of my friends, so they didn't know that I was struggling with this. Because um, yeah, I wouldn't want anybody else to know. The other one I struggled with mightily was like um, Top Gun landing on the aircraft carrier. Oh, I still get it. Yeah. I still believe to this day that it is impossible to actually land the plane on the aircraft carrier. I will. I will I back you up on that. that anybody can do that. I feel kind of insulted that you didn't ask me first, Josh, because then. Trevor would have been the one who sounded like he was copying my answer instead of me, but <laughs> was that really going to be yours? That really was going to be my answer. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Was it the same boss? Was it super macho man? Um, you know, I, I didn't actually have a Nintendo at that point. It was oh, just me fair. playing at friends' houses. Yeah. And so, uh, so you really didn't get to get, yeah, I, I just, then. I just sucked at it. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. It's, it's it's the beginning of like a long uh history of me not being good at twitch games <laughs> <laughs> you were destined for it all right so what do you say Devin? how would you have taught how would you have helped trevor overcome his nerd shame no it's really funny because i I think trevor what would have happened if you had been in a class is you would have realized you weren't the only one who couldn't beat that final boss, right? I, I, in a lot of my classes, like we had a Skyward Sword and there were so many kids that were like boss ever created of all time. I could not beat it. I still can't beat it. And then there was like one student who was like, oh, I did it. And this is how I did it. But um, what was really fun about that one specifically was I had a student who kind of got emotional about it. You know, he's like, I can't, and I've tried so many. And it's just rallied around him. They're like, you can do it, don't worry. You know, if you need to go and level up a little bit, that's okay. But just come back and try again. And so even though I've never played Mike Tyson Shout, <laughs> I think what you would have found in a class like this is more people who were going through the same thing as you. But like you said, didn't really want to admit it. But when you're in a group like that and you kind of see each other struggling, you lift each other up. You help each other out and encourage each other. So I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say that I'm, I'm glad that that is the way that um, – society has developed because it should <laughs> however i feel like in 1987 the class probably would have went a much darker path I'm just, <laughs> just gonna throw that out there and say that times have changed basically <laughs> wasn't ready for out school and video game classes in 87 <laughs> uh, i would say that we were not ready for safe spaces in 1987 um of course, let's think about you would have been doing that on was that fourteen four baud modems at that point, Trevor? Uh no, it would have been even slower than that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, fourteen four didn't come along until early nineties. So I remember when I got my first twenty eight eight and I was like, I am a speed demon. And I think that was like ninety <laughs> three probably. So <laughs> yeah, it would have been a whole different t- technology element at that point too, then that's funny. My students, uh, when I show them the, um, like, I have a Nintendo 64 in my office, and I'll show them the controller, and they're like, why is there only one joystick? <laughs> I'm like, guys, <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> no idea of the struggles. <laughs> yeah, at that time, we were like, it has a joystick. Yeah, you need yeah. to get them an Atari, man. You need to show them the old 2600 at this point. 
<laughs> I think I would break their brain. What? What is that? <laughs> It's, I love showing them the old tech. I tell them all the time. I'm like, did you, cause they're like, Oh, my, my controller's vibrating. I'm like, did you know if you wanted to have like the rumble pack, you had to buy it and then attach it <laughs> to the back of your controller for the N64. Cause that was the system I grew up with. And they were like, what's a rumble pack. <laughs> exactly. And I like pull it out. I'm like, this is a rumble pack. They're like, that is a brick. <laughs> Like, but it's a brick that moves a little bit when you're holding it, so it's that, fine. That's so hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I remember PS1 um, having the controller like innately be able to do that. Like, I remember playing what? What has it been? Metal Gear Solid, probably the original Metal Gear Solid as a Where demo. Where you sneak around under a box, right? Yeah, that, yeah. I yeah. I was playing the demo version of it. I think in a Fred Meyer, like I was standing there in their Fred Meyer, in their electronic section playing my very first PS1 game. It was the demo of, of Metal Gear Solid and having the controller shake on its own during that demo. And I was just like, I was so, so blown away. I'm like, I must have this. <laughs> All right, Jay, do you have a, did we give you enough time that you have a, a, a bonus other answer or, or was punch out was really it? And that was it, but um, I mean, probably it would be, I guess, if I had a runner-up. Um, prob- I, I mean, I never really played any of the old Zelda games, which would, uh, I think, be good candidates. Yeah. The funny thing is, is I, I feel like those would hold up similar. I mean, Devin, tell us a little bit about, you've talked a little bit about, like, your Breath of the Wild classes and your Skyward Sword classes. It feels like a lot of that would translate to even some of the OG zelda um games uh but but what what do you think about that oh yeah absolutely i mean that's what we did uh we did so one of the biggest things about teaching these games one of the hardest pieces to figure out is if you can't go back which in a lot of old games you couldn't right i ran into this with ocarina of time you beat a dungeon it's in the past you move on you can't go back to it and so what i found with ocarina of time was i had to get all of my students in the same place and then we worked through it together. Oh, and interesting. Yeah, so yeah. So it was a really different experience. And it didn't lend itself as well to the, the style that I like to do because students come in and come out as they want in my classes. And so I had a student come in. He was in the Forest Temple, which is the first one you do as Adult Link. But the rest of us were in the Fire Temple. And so it was really hard because I had to try and remember all of the puzzles that he was doing while simultaneously trying to do the Fire Temple But the other nice thing is that, you know, there's guides. There's a lot of guides that I use. I do not know where every shrine is. I don't know every shrine puzzle. And so if I get stuck, I'm like, hold on, let me Google. And I quickly Google and I'm like, Google told me this. Try it out, you know. So I do use a lot of guides in my classes so that I can, you know, keep the class moving forward without me stuck on a puzzle for like 50 minutes like i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> so so this is a yeah. sincere question i think i've 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 confessed this to my co-host before but like did, did did anybody else grow up with absolute shame at the idea of using a guide and like obviously when i was younger it was like you had to go and buy these guides buy from a book, the, yeah. the local mm-hmm. game store or whatever but man it i it took me a while as an adult to overcome that this kind of like built-in like <laughs> no shame. not at all <laughs> uh, you never had that Jay for no. real oh my no. gosh what about you Trevor oh he must have oh his ISP killed him again weird or is I he... just wonder how we survived without guides sometimes like I play these old games because on the Switch you can play 
NES and SNES games and, um, you know, N64 games. And I go back and I play them. I'm like, how did I ever beat this without YouTube? (laughs) I was a genius. (laughs) Yeah. Well, like my other mental block or mental hangup was like for a lot of years, even after I was an adult, I was like, you can't turn the difficulty down, you know, on a game, like don't select easy or whatever. Like, no, no, I've outgrown that now too. But so, so you don't find like, do your kids know that you're using a guide in those cases? Like, or is that not even like a conversation point? I, yeah, they know I am. Sometimes I'll share my screen if like, I'm not, okay. so if I'm in a place in a game. So a good example is like, in Breath of the Wild, if you're in Trial of the Sword, you can't, you know, so if a student asks a question outside of Trial of the Sword and I'm showing another student how to do Trial of the Sword, I'll pause my game. I'll look up the answer. I'll pull it up and I'll say, can you see this and see exactly what you need to do? And they'll say, yep, because, of course, stu- you know, my students can use the Internet. But do we really want to give free reign to, you know, a nine year old on Google in the middle and- <laughs> of a class right? in the middle yeah, of a yeah. class or even, you know, even just in general? Like, I mean, I have a daughter who's nine and I'm really protective about her using YouTube even for, you know, innocent things like gaming guides, because I'm like, I don't know what kind of content is going to be on there. Mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of ads you're going to see. And so a lot of parents feel the same way. So in a lot of ways, me accessing those guides for the kids is just an additional filter so that they know they're only getting that information that they need and that they're not going to stumble off to the dark depths of the internet somewhere. Part part of the value to have you there as a guide and moderator then. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And another thing parents like about my classes, I've had a couple students mention this to me, is when they give their children screen time, it's screen time with me. And so they're like, hey, today you have, you know, your hour of Nintendo Switch and it's in Miss Devin's class. And so when class kind of gets to the end, my students will be like, no, no, because as soon as this class is over, my screen time's over. Can we go for five more minutes? And so <laughs> it works well because then I'm the enforcer instead of mom and dad. Right. It's like, yeah, oh, Miss Devin's class is over. We got to put it away. You know, next time you can get it out again. And also, you know, with kids, it's always better to play Uh, games as a group, you know, to have that social aspect instead of alone in the dark basement, you know, the image that a lot of people have as gamers. It's like, why not take that and make it a social activity with other children who share your passion, won't make fun of you. They all love to nerd out together. It's just that acceptance that even makes it even better. Jay, I know we would normally have these discussions behind the paywall, but I'm like seriously wondering about, there is a, there is a real discussion coming in Idaho politics about um, vouchers or education savings accounts where basically taxpayer money would go to a student's family and, and they would use it however they saw fit. And I'm like, I can, I, I'm just trying to imagine what the reaction is in the Idaho legislature if you say, hey, are we okay with taxpayer money going to pay for like video game classes? So before you answer that, Jay, I have a response to, to Josh. There is already a taxpayer money going to families of children in the state of Idaho. I can't remember the program name, Um, but with that money, you can buy anything that is quote unquote educational related, including and up to gaming computers. Are you're aware of that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're talking about the empowering parents. um, Correct. Rant. Yeah. Yeah. Which just started, I think last year, it might, it might be two years old now, but yeah, that's a fair point. Um, (laughs) <laughs> I guess that's I guess the camel's nose is already in the tent. <laughs> it, it is because I have three children. I 
I make a reasonable amount of money, I was still given money through that program, the Empowering Parents program. And we won't discuss on air what I purchased with that money. (laughs) 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 But there's not a lot of oversight. The amount, uh, I mean, they do look at all your purchases and there are limited things that they can be purchased on. But there's there's such a wide range that um, honestly, you'd probably be shocked and surprised at some of the things that can be used and are approved to use that money for. Well, it is an interesting conversation. As a matter of fact, Devin, you can probably answer this better, but like, you know, the, the accountability for you or for Outlook, to me, it seems like it's a lot like, you know, Airbnb or other, um, you know, gig type things. Like, you are rated and like, I'm, I, I see here that you have 298 reviews on your classes and five stars all the way across the board. Like, is there any other accountability or or any other measure for you know I guess parents really to feel like they are getting you know the good value or education you know for their kids in this kind of arena? Yeah, so there are a couple of things. It really is mostly a reviews based um, system. So like yeah. you said, you can see my profile. I have high reviews. I have good star ratings. I have you know a very professional logo and videos on all of my things. I have good course descriptions. That is the main source of, you know, information. But if you go down the educational route a little bit more, you can show there is a place on OutSchool where you can like put your degrees and show that kind of certification. And it's interesting hearing you guys talk about these grants because there are I've had several parents reach out to me about and they say, hey, I have this money from usually it's from charter schools, but some of it's mm-hmm. state funding. And they say, can you send me a picture of your teacher or your uh, bachelor's degree so that I can show them that you are a teacher and that you are teaching a social club and they will use those funds on classes like mine and they will use them to do things like purchase a Nintendo Switch if it's a requirement for the class, because even <laughs> though it's not like. I think the hardest thing is we think about it as two different things, right? We're thinking about play and we're thinking about school, but the skills that my students learn in my classes, they're not things you're going to learn in school, but they are so valuable. I've gotten a lot of message. Like a lot of my students are neurodivergent and Mm -hmm. have a hard time expressing themselves. And I had this one boy, he's in my breath of the wild class and he's eight. And his mom told me, she's like, I have seen a huge difference in his confidence at home. He is happier He doesn't have as many, you know, frustrating moments after starting your classes because he doesn't feel alone and isolated. And so it's, you know, you don't want to lump it in with education because that is very ABC grades. But the things kids learn in these classes cannot be discounted, even though they're really, really hard to name and they're very arbitrary. All right, co-hosts. Sorry, I just had a moment of like it just blows my mind. It's just really encouraging in a lot of ways. L- let's hear your modern game uh, that you'd love to have a video game club or class for. I, I will start and uh, I, I'm going to tongue in cheek, say Marvel midnight Suns, but um, <laughs> really I would just need a club for Miss Devin to teach me to love the game that I'm supposed to love. But, but I actually want to say like one of the civilizations, I think that would be amazing. I mean, whatever. Civ Six is the current Civ Civilization game, right? I think that would be an amazing gaming club game. <laughs> You'd uh, you get to play about you know what one decade of turns in a 50-minute class. I think <laughs> you would just call the class the one more turn class. <laughs> yes, indeed. 
what do you got, Jay? See, I'll let you go first this time. Um, so I, I made fun of my brother for this in uh, <laughs> in the pre-ramble, but it would probably be one of the Souls games like uh, Dark Souls oh, or Elden man. Ring or something. Yeah, yeah. How would that be to teach? Have you have you done any of those, Devin? What's the game? Soul? Dark, Dark Souls or Elden Ring? Oh, I've heard of Elden Ring a little bit. Um, You see, and that, you know, we were talking about age earlier. That's the nice thing yeah, about out yeah. school is if you have content like that, like Skyrim or Elden Ring or like Diablo, Destiny, you know, any of those like teen rated games, you can make that a very clear stipulation. But as long as parents have all of that information, you know. I think it'd be fun to try and teach some of those more because, you know, not only are your is the storyline different and more mature, but there are different mechanics that come in them, too. They're a little bit more complicated in some ways. And so I've tried to get I tried to get a destiny class approved because one of my teachers, I have five teachers who teach for me on out school in addition to myself. And one of them wanted to do destiny and it just it didn't take off. But I have seen, you know, more mature classes on out school. So it's not impossible. All right, Trevor, what do you, what's your, what's your adder? Uh, it would probably be XCOM, just because it's the only way that I'll actually like <laughs> finish the campaign. Finish it is if I actually, you know, had to report on my homework or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the one I would probably write. I mean, right now, honestly, the answer is is Marvel Snap. Like, I need a room full of people telling me when I play ah. something, a card that I'm being a dummy. It's like, no, no, don't do it. Yeah, don't do that. That is a dumb move. No, Trevor, that's a bad Trevor. Um, so, yeah, that's, I that's what I need. Like is that's I need a, a pretty solid suggestion. Yeah, yeah. I need a cherub on my shoulder telling me, no, no, don't play that. That is the way to losing. Have you done uh, Marvel Snap at all yet, Devin? No, I haven't. And now I'm like, what is this? Because I, I love Marvel. I want to... Yeah, you now better look into it. it. It might be one that would be a good class, honestly. It's uh it's a free to play mobile game. You can play it on oh, PC okay. or other things like that, but um its intended audience is like the Hearthstone style audience. Okay. Yeah, I'm totally gonna I I mean my students give me so many suggestions for games and I'm like, I wanna play all of them. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I was just looking at some of your catalog again and this I, you know, again, chain attack fans will appreciate this that there is a, a slight board gaming element here. It looks like you've done a werewolf uh, social club before. Yeah. Yeah. I have a teacher who's a Dungeons and Dragons player. I'm not, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, but when I hired her on, she was like, you know, I would love to do a D and D campaign. And so she and I sat down and I was like, okay, what do you want to do for the storyline and all of this? And she ran it with uh, four kids. I think were in it and they had a blast. It was a five week class. And that one ran for longer. You know, most of my classes are 50. One was a 90-minute class so that they could actually, oh, you know, okay. do some things. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I'm actually in the process in Dragons. I want a pre-beginner course. I, and I'm working with her and another to try and figure out how to start teaching these in Dragons because I have a lot of students who are like, I don't know who to go. And so we're trying to put together a, a curriculum <laughs> of Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> that is fantastic. Well, and there again, like, there's some soft skills there that I think your students will end up learning, you know, without even being super intentional about it. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's actually, if you go on out school, there are whole, so there's a couple different things. So there's an individual on out school and that's just one teacher teaching. And then there's what I am and it's called an organization 
where it's like a school. You hire teachers to teach subjects for you, but there are some orgs on OutSchool that are Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, you know, that do those tabletop RPGs. And some, I've seen a couple do like actual board game classes, but I've never been able to wrap my mind around how that would work. <laughs> I would love to do that. I think that'd be so fun, but I'm like, I can't. We'll just stick a little here. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. I mean, because there are digital, there's there's digital platforms now that I wonder if they would work well. Because, yeah, I couldn't imagine trying to be like, okay, so every student has to show up here with a copy of Suro, the Game of the Path, and, you know, or interesting. Um, I want to know if uh, if I were to have my 10-year-old taking a uh, out-school class, would it keep them away from Roblox? Because I hate Roblox so much. <laughs> I'm right there with you. It's the worst. Okay, good. <laughs> it is the Jeez. worst. <laughs> Um, I mean, there are Roblox classes on OutSchool. Yeah, I'm, I'm which, seeing that on OutSchool, no. so I'm like, oh. But, I mean, one of the good thing is, like, I have a good, I have a friend who teaches Roblox classes, and I've told her, I'm like, I don't know how you do it. I, I do not like that platform. But what's cool about OutSchool, too, is it's, there are some classes that are safety on Roblox classes. And so oh. it's a teacher explaining, these are dangerous things. This is what you need to watch out for, which chances are the parent has already told the child that. The but child needs that class. It sounds better coming from someone else, right? And so that is something that's really cool in OutSchool too, especially with something like Roblox where it's so massively open and chat and everything is that you those safety links in a classroom setting from an expert who knows what Roblox is, who knows the dangers, whereas a parent may know there are dangers, but they don't know what to look for or, or kind maybe of not how where... to coach their kids away from yeah, this stuff. Yeah, exactly. So if you're, if you have a kiddo playing Roblox, I highly recommend taking a safety in Roblox class <laughs> because that's just going to help them be better prepared. But that's the other thing is if they, if you don't want them playing a certain game, yeah, sign them up for a class where they have a bunch of new friends and they're having a great time and they won't want to play by themselves anymore. A lot of my students, they're like, I only play during this class because it's not as fun when I'm just by myself. <laughs> Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, I was going to tell Trevor, I got pulled into the catalog here, and there's a Demio class. Isn't that the virtual reality D&D? Uh, <laughs> I mean, D&D is, yeah, it's much more light than that. But yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's, I guess I should say that loosely. Huh? Yes. <laughs> uh, well, I am out of questions for the moment, other than, again, I just can't believe we live in a world where the free, the free market has delivered this kind of opportunity to us. Um, but I want to say thank you, Devin, for coming on. Like, I, I love that this is out there. I think it's so encouraging. And, uh, you know, what's uh, I guess what's a final thought that you would leave with our listeners who are a lot like us? When they were 10 years old, they probably also felt the shame of not being able to beat Super Punch-Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess my final thing for, and I mean, I guess for, there's two, there's two sides of it, right? For parents, if you have a kiddo and they want to, and they're playing a game, put them in one of these social clubs, because I think it's so important to lean into your children's interests, even when the stigma is video games are bad. I think that you should lean into it. And this is such a positive, amazing way to let them love something in a safe way with friends that are going to accept them. And for people who aren't parents, um, keep gaming, <laughs> keep gaming, right? <laughs> keep gaming on. Um, it was, yeah, it's, I just, I love it. It's such an awesome job. And I'm always amazed at 
my classes. You know, I started this and just thinking like, oh, is this really a thing? Is this really going to work? And I see it now. You know, a lot of people are like, who would pay to play, you know, have their kid play video games. But once you see it firsthand, you get it. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And, um, you know, I it, I think it's so great that, that uh, again, I appreciate you coming and visiting with us, Devin. And I just think it's so great. It's so easy to feel sort of jaded and demoralized by what the Internet kind of can deliver to the world and seems to primarily deliver, you know, just in terms of like negative experiences and, and you know rage and and all and it and so it's just so great to see those tools be put to positive use um so i appreciate you coming i think that's lean into your kids interests i think is great advice and uh trevor j anything else to add i don't i don't, um, think, I don't so. think so thanks again Devin. thanks for having me